excited to connect with our family from all over our campuses. Now, I want to share with you this weekend's teaching is going to be very, very practical for all of us to learn. So kind of get ready. The title is Life's Wisest Question. Now, we know this is Mother Day weekend, and uh, we have a special announcement for you. So just pay attention just for a moment. Pastor TJ and Amanda and their kids uh, are going to have, they've already done it, a wonderful Mother's Day video. And we just want to do that to say thanks to all of our mothers. The video will be posted on Sunday morning, and it will be on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. So just do it. It'll be great. It'll be an awesome thing. Thank you so much. And I just want to say this. Uh, God, thank you for the gift of our mothers. When we think about our lives, the, the wife, our mothers, what an impact in every single one of us. And we just want to honor you mothers on this day. And we thank you for your kindness, your wisdom, your expressed love over and over to your children and grandchildren. And we just want to bless you. And I thank you so much for you on Mother's Day. Now, God has something else that's happening. I want to thank all of the generous people from all of our campuses. You know, we're helping fill food pantries in all of our cities from every one of our campuses. And you guys are so generous bringing all that and we're taking it to the food pantry. So because there's lots of people that just need food in our communities because out of work and all those things. So thank you so much. And for those also that have come and donated blood, we've had the blood mobile here on our campuses. Thank you so much for that. And many of you and many of the ladies have made homemade face masks. And thank you also. And one more thing. During this difficult time, we know some of you are out of work and having time, but you guys have been so faithful with your tithes and offerings. Thank you so much. As you well know, that we, we need all of that just to continue to operate and do all of those things. So let me just pray for us right now. Father, I just ask you as we open the Word of God, it's living, it's active, and may many people also open their hearts to you as we go through the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, we are entering a time that, can I say it this way? No other time we're used to. Life is filled with decisions. As we are coming out of the coronavirus, all of us will be making all kinds of decisions. Working, part-time, kids, school, you name it. We have all those decisions coming. And we need to remember, really, we've never faced anything like this. So this weekend, here's why God gave me this teaching. We're going to learn life's wisest question. And the question is related to two verses I'm going to show you and the whole passage of, of uh, Acts chapter 8 as we go through it. Here's something you could start quoting right now. Take a look uh, on the overhead. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, now pay attention, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I want 
you to pay attention to me for a moment. When God created man, God did something unique. He gave man a free will to choose. Man could choose, as we just read, God's will or choose their own will. Because life is a journey, that will is really related to the path that we're on. Every person that's alive is on a path. There's only two destinations, one heaven and one hell. But when you think about that, the decisions come step by step, and we'll see that this weekend. Now, here's a verse we started 2020 with. You know it well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his, here we go again, seek his will in all you do. It's not an isolated thing. In all we do, all the decisions we make, all the questions we're asking. And he will show you, watch this, which path to take. Now, verse 7 is very important. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what is this wisest question? Here it is. Take a look. God, what do you want me to do? Say it with me. Come on. God, what do you want me to do? By asking God for his wisdom, we are saying basically this. God, I want your will. I don't want my will. God, you understand that I need your wisdom. Now, every single Christian, Christ follower, as you live and walk on this journey, this path, you discover that God's will is better than anything you and I could have ever, ever, ever come up with. Now, why is that? Because God's all-knowing. The coronavirus and all of this stuff that's gone through and that just shocked the whole world, and God knew all about it. Now, remember what we taught you. He, what Satan meant to do bad, God's turning around and doing good. He's changing so many people's lives. Now, our role model in the teaching this weekend is Philip. And kind of to help us, you kind of have to do some things as you're going through real stories in the Bible. You have to do this, and I didn't wear them this weekend, but you have to get your sandals on. And you kind of have to walk the path that Philip is walking. And we're going to learn so many principles that we can apply to our everyday life, 2,000 years later, but they're very applicable to us. Now, let me give you an illustration of God's will. As you know, most of the churches in the United States and around the world are trying to decide how to reopen their church buildings. That's exactly what we're doing. Our leadership, our pastors, our elders, we're discussing many, many options. And we just want to remind you, here is the bottom line. This is the way we do it. Yes, we get together. Yes, we see sometimes what other people are doing. Yes, we can 
brainstorm. But the real key is this. We're saying in all of our meetings, God, what do you want us to do? We need your wisdom, God. We've never been here before. God, we want your will. And here's the big part, your timing. Over the next few weeks, we will have some steps that we believe God will give us and we'll begin to slowly do soft openings in different areas. That doesn't mean the sanctuary. There's all kinds of things coming. So just pray with us, if you will, because it's your church. You're our family. But God knows this. So keep asking for his will because he will give it to us. Now, let's go back where we kind of left off last week. Remember, persecution happened in Jerusalem. And because of that, Stephen was stoned to death. The, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. But the younger believers, the newer believers, many thousands had come to Christ. They left and scattered to different parts of Israel. And God spoke specifically to Philip, a Jew, and he led him to the area of Samaria. Now, there's a key you have to understand. Remember, the Samaritans and the Jews, they're like oil and water. They did not get along like that at all. It was bounce off, bounce off, bounce off. Now, as Philip, get ready to think about you being Philip. As Philip is traveling to Samaria, what was going through his mind? Well, I'll just give you some ideas. Of course, we don't know. God, Philip's saying, I want to do your will. I want to do what you want me to do. But are you sure you want me to share the gospel with these Samaritans? I'm not sure how to handle the prejudice. I'm not sure how to handle the discrimination. I don't know what they'll think of me when I come into the town. Will they hate me? Will they kick me out? I really don't know God. Now, we don't know exactly how God spoke to Philip, but I can guarantee you it was probably this. Now, remember, when Philip was serving tables for the widows that were having trouble with food, what we learned is he was a man of amazing character, but the key was this. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, look what God says to us. And every Christian, we learned last week, every Christian has the Holy Spirit living in them. Look at these verses, Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, are children of God. You can just reverse that. If you're a child of God, you will be led by the Holy Spirit. I love the Amplified in this same verse. Take a look. For all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, you can see from that verse, that means there's a choice. I have to choose to be led by the Spirit of God. It just doesn't come automatically. So we're back to that free will of man. So let me give you some steps of how that can happen in our lives, that we can have that leading of the Spirit. Here's step number one. This is the big one. Before we do anything, look at this. We must want God's will. In other words, God's plan before we pray. God will not answer a prayer like this. Well, God, 
I know you're all wise, but if you'll tell me your plan, I'll think about it and decide whether I want to use your plan or not. You can pray that all you want. You're not going to get any answer from God. See, I have to want what God says before I hear what he says to do. You can't judge it. He's all wise. We are not. Be careful. God, wisest, wisest question. What do you want me to do? Boom. Now, number two, I have to ask. After I've decided, God, whatever you tell me, I will do. Here it is. Ask, which simply means pray. God, what do you want me to do? Now, remember, we have not because we ask not. God has already have a plan for every single one of us. As we come out of this, he has a plan for all the churches, the people around the world, a Christian. He has plans for us. You know Jeremiah 29, 11. He has a plan for us. It's good. It's going to prosper us. He has that. He knows what he's going to do in our lives. Here's step number three. I have to listen to God's answer. God promises to speak to us. We'll see that verse in a few minutes. He promises to speak to us. And number four, look at the first word. Choose to obey God's leading. 1 John 5, 3 says this. Loving God means doing what he tells us to do. Remember, Jesus said it like this. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, as you see that going through, Acts 8.5, Philip says this. Watch this. Philip went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. So he actually followed those steps. Remember, Philip asked God what he was to do. He listened to God from the Holy Spirit's approach and he gave him the leading. He went to Samaria where God directed him to go. And then Philip obeyed God and look at the result. You remember it. The town exploded. The people that had terrible doctrine, the people that were being uh, basically influenced by Satan and, si and Simeon and those kind of things. God just came in there and what Philip did was preach the gospel and the a whole town got saved and baptized. The whole town was transferred instantly through the teaching of Jesus Christ. Now, think about how big, we don't know how big Samaria was. Think how many people came to Christ. Now, if you're there, Philip's got to be going like, this is amazing. Well, look at Acts 8.26. Now, an angel of the Lord, said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, God speaks to Philip through one of his angels. God sent an angel to speak to Philip, and he gave him a very interesting command. I'm sure very few of us, if any of us, have ever been directed by an angel speaking to us. But remember, every Christ follower should be led, and we are being led by the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Now, when you understand this, what is God saying? 
he's saying this. I want you to leave this revival and go 60 miles south to a desert area called Gaza. Now, how do you think Philip will respond to this one? What would you have said? What would I have said as a pastor? God, this is the way we should approach it. I want to do what you want me to do, but, careful, are you sure you want me to leave this awesome revival that you started? People's lives are changing every day. God, I have great plans to make sure more people come to Christ. God, you know this revival is contagious. And maybe Philip might have said this in a, in a kind way. God, this must be the wrong time. God, you're sending me to an empty desert. There's nobody there. That's got to be the wrong place. But God doesn't back up with that. I don't know that even Philip said that. But that would have been kind of going through my mind. God, this is incredible. You sent me here. I did what you asked me to do. And you saved all these people. Now, so notice this command. There, there are no specific details. He doesn't know why he's being directed to Gaza. He doesn't know what to expect when he finally gets there. And he simply doesn't understand God's command. There are a number of situations all through the Bible just like that. Abraham, when he came, God directed him. He's, he didn't even know where he was going. And I want to remind you of something. When you see this, sometimes in our lives, where God is now starting to direct us, maybe it doesn't seem to make sense one. Just be careful because God's all wise. Now, remember this story? Peter and the other disciples had been fishing all night. And they caught nothing. And they were on the shore cleaning their nets. And Jesus was there, and he was teaching masses of people on the shore. But as he began to teach, and the people came more and more, he realized they couldn't hear him because of the, the water. So he said to Peter, take your boat and just move your boat out a little bit for me, and I'll get in that boat, and I'll stand in it like this and, and share with the people. So Peter said, fine, no problem. So he does, and many people are hearing, they're being blessed or whatever. And then the next thing that's strange is basically this. When he finished, he says this to Peter. Peter, put out into the deep water your boat, we're here, and let down nets for a catch. Now, Peter's going to respond with three excuses. Here's the excuses. Basically, they mean he doesn't want to obey. He had a choice. He says, we caught nothing last night, Jesus. We're fishermen, you're not. And the best fishing is at night. Hello, we're in the sun. So those three excuses came. But finally, as he obeyed, watch how he does it. Here's how he answers. Jesus, because you say so, I will obey you and let down the nets. You remember what the results was? The boats were filled with fish. Had to get help. They were just absolutely filled with fish. The nets actually began to break. I want you to take this note down. If you have a place, wherever you're at, to write this down. This is something you and I have to understand. We don't have to understand 
to obey God. God knows. Trust him. He's all wise. Peter learned this. No more is he going to give those excuses. I can tell you I've learned this the hard way. I don't have to understand what God's doing. I just have to obey God. And Philip will learn this. My question is, have you learned it? Write it down. Always remember this. Because I want to be directed by God. Whether I understand it or not, God does. He absolutely does. And the key is simply to obey him. Now, you know as you move around in life, God's ways are always better, as I shared with you. But sometimes they're kind of a different timing. There's different ways. Just trust God. His ways are always best. The path he puts you on is always best. Now, here's what you see happen to Peter when he finally obeyed. God rewards obedience. So let's be teachable and flexible. I told you there's lots of application for us, and we're just getting started in the story. Now, look at verse 27. So he, Philip, started out. Philip, like the rest, had a choice to obey or disobey. Remember, we have a free will. We're not God's robots. Every person has a free will. God wanted everyone to choose to obey him because he wanted them to obey because they loved him. He didn't want a robot. He wanted people to say, I love you, God. I love you enough. I will obey you no matter what you tell me to do. Now, remember the angel said, go. And Philip obeyed. Remember what it said? He started out. And he submitted to God's plan, even though he didn't understand it. He didn't know where he was going, who he's going to talk to, nothing. He just put a trust in God. He took a step. Watch me. He took a step of faith. He took a step of faith. He knew he could trust God. He doesn't see it, but he knows God is all wise, and he took a step of faith. Very often in our lives, that's what we all have to do. Trust God, take a step of faith. Now, watch this. Look at Psalm 37, 23. The Lord directs the steps, not just a step, steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Sometimes we like to think, well, God, if you're directing me over there, and maybe Philip would say this, okay, I'll go. What's going to happen out there? Would you tell me everything that's going to happen? God doesn't do that. That's what makes life exciting. When I take the first step, what's the next step going to look like? I don't know, but God knows it all. He knows all the way to the end. Now, look at this. God's guidance usually comes one step at a time. As we follow God in his will, you have to learn this principle. This is a huge principle. Obey God and take the first step. Now watch this word. Then God will show us the next step. If I don't take the first step, there is no next step because I haven't obeyed God. So remember, don't get anxious. 
God knows the steps. He knows all the steps. He knows where he's leading us. As you make these decisions coming out of the coronavirus, with jobs, should I take this one? Should I do this? What do I do with the kids? Do I put them in school? Do I homeschool them? You go on and on and on. Be patient. Just say, God, I want to do what you say to do, period. That's it, God. I'm willing. I'm willing. Now, so when he started out, look at verse 27. So he started out on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Now, remember, Ethiopia was kind of south of Egypt in Africa. Today, we would probably think it's maybe in the area of Sudan. Uh, Candace was not a proper name, but simply a title for those queens that Ethiopia used. Now, here's you're going to see perfect timing. Watch this. If Philip, if Philip had hesitated, when the angel said go, if he said, well, I'm going to spend another two weeks here at the revival, and then I will definitely go, God, I will obey you. But I have some things I have to do here. If, if Philip would have hesitated, you know what happened? He would have missed the Ethiopian eunuch because he was traveling home. He didn't know anybody was coming out to talk to him. He didn't know there was any answers. He's just confused. And if Philip waited a few hours or a day or two, he would, have told, he would have got to the desert and there would be nobody there. That's a big thing for us. I have to say to you, when you understand these things, basically, God knew the path. That's why the angel said, go now. You're going to go 60 miles away. God's up there going, okay, 60 divided by three, walk by two. He knows exactly how that meeting opportunity is going to happen. Can I say to you, because we've all been guilty of this, how many missed opportunities did, do we have in our lives? Because God said, speak to that person. Share with that person. Take them to some food. Do this. And we miss the opportunity. Why? Because sometimes we procrastinate. Here's two things you need to understand. God's will always includes God's timing. God's timing is always perfect, yet often it's not our timing. Even as we transition and start to move to a place where we can take lots of steps, obeying the government, making sure our, our church looks good in the community, all those things, we would like to be back next week. By the way, don't take that and say, oh, the church is opening next week. No, I did not say that. But you have to understand, when you see this, God's timing is perfect. He's going to show us how, and he's going to show us the steps. We're trusting him. We're not looking to somebody else. We're trusting God for our campuses. That's what God's going to do. Now, look at verse 27, the end. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Now, this minister of finance was, was no doubt a, a black, God-fearing Gentile. He, he may have been a convert to Ju Judaism. We're not sure for sure, but it looks like that was probably true. And he'd come to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. He was searching. Now, since he was wealthy, 
he was able to purchase the scrolls. Now, remember, you, you give him the Bible to the guy. And scrolls of the book of Isaiah to take back with him on his journey. Now, he was a man of great authority, responsibility, intelligence, basically had all the comforts of life. He pretty much had everything life could offer. Yet he was still searching. He was searching for truth. He was searching for purpose. And he was searching for meaning in his life. Now, God woke me up this morning at 4.30. I'm just going to run this by you very quickly. And he put in my mind, I, I don't even know where it came from because it's been so long. He came and, and said to my mind, Billy Graham, Billy Graham. And then it reminded me, it came right to me, Billy Graham's book, Peace with God. Do you know how that book starts? I'll talk a little more about it next week. Look, look how that book starts. So I had to get in my, my library and get it out and get the book. And I had two of them. There's a kind of revised one. It says this. You'll see there. Here's how it starts. Billy Graham says this. The moment you were born, you started on the great quest of life. Searching for something that would bring you answers to life. Next weekend, we're going to see, I'm going to expand on that, that Satan offers all kinds of answers. King Solomon, the wisest man in the Old Testament, tried finding peace and meaning by traveling all kinds of streets of life, streets of pleasure, projects, possessions, wisdom, Work, wealth, success, women, thousand wives and concubines. But every single street, every single street where he wanted to go down, find purpose, meaning, peace, joy, every street, watch me, was a dead end. And he had to turn around and go back another street. Every single street was a dead end. That whole book of Ecclesiastes tells us vanity, vanity, vanity. Everything's vanity. There's no meaning. There's nothing. But you're going to see next week a solution, but I'm going to give you one right now. The Ethiopian, like King Solomon, was very successful, but his success didn't answer the questions he had in life. He was empty, lonely, guilty. He knew something about his sins. And he was afraid of death. He was seeking God for real answers in his life. You know what the promise of God is? Look at this. You will seek me in Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. If you really go for it. Here's what we're going to learn tonight, this weekend, and what we're going to learn next weekend. Without a personal relationship with God, no matter what you have, no matter what your status is, no matter your education, your money, your whatever, everything is meaningless. Now, I think it's significant that he left Jerusalem still empty. He went there searching for purpose and meaning. He went to the Jewish synagogue in the temple. Why did he leave still searching? 
Because what he discovered in Jerusalem was dead religion. Judaism filled with man's traditions. Yes, no, 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 no. Over and over again. But the reason he really left empty was this. Religion can't bring you an answer. You remember the Jewish people at that time didn't believe in Jesus at all. We know the answer to empty, lonely, guilty, and afraid of death. It's having a relationship with Jesus. He didn't find it. They would never even speak of Jesus. So he left with dead religion, which didn't do anything for him. Can I ask you to see this? Religion always leaves a person empty, still seeking for truth. I'm sad to say this, but 2,000 years later, all over our world here in our country, the same thing's happening. Let me explain to you very simply. People are searching for answers, but they end up with nothing because they're going to churches, and I'm not knocking any specific church at all. They're going to churches that are spiritually dead. These churches no longer teach the Bible as truth. Or they'll pick this and say, throw that out. We're not interested in that. That's not right. It doesn't apply to us today at all. They don't preach all the truth of the Bible. They don't emphasize. They, don't ever, they never give an altar call. They don't emphasize that the personal relationship with Jesus Christ solves everything. They just don't give it. How Just be religious. Just be a good person. Everything's going to be fine. No. And their religious tradition, there's no power of God. How sad. Let me read to you 2 Timothy. Paul says this, as days go on, they will act religious, but they will reject the power, listen, that could make them godly. They just reject it. And Paul makes a warning. Stay away from people or churches like that. Now, our campuses are led by people Nobody has a perfect church. We have a perfect God, but we're humans. But I can say this to you. Thank God that there are many churches like ours where people can be taught the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It's all truth, and the truth will set us free. And I just thank you for being part of our family, coming, listening to the Word of God, Finding Jesus, finding salvation, finding purpose and forgiveness and joy in your life. Now, how will God solve the eunuch's misunderstanding and emptiness? How is he going to solve it? Well, he already had a plan. Philip didn't know the plan. The eunuch doesn't know the plan. But God knew the plan right from the start. Let me show you. Look at verse 29. And the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot. And stay near it. Notice it is not the angel, but it's the Holy Spirit that speaks directly and clearly to Philip. Philip, here's your next step. There it is. Get right over there next to the chariot. Come on, get there and stay near it. Stay near it. That's the step. That's the first step. Now, if we are going to follow God's plan... We have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. Now, notice it said the Spirit told Philip. How does that work? Well, I'll 
tell you two. There's like six ways that God speaks to us. I'm just going to give you two tonight because of time. Here's the main one. Here's the key first. God promises to speak to us. God is still speaking today. Now, that's not weirdness. Careful. Because lots of voices speak to us. We have to be very careful. Sometimes it's our own. Sometimes it's Satan. Sometimes other people. No, you want to listen to God. Here, listen to this. John 10, 27. My sheep, that's Christians. That's followers. That's not just anybody. Can't be an unbeliever. My sheep, listen to my voice. Now, notice these words. I know them. I have a personal relationship with them. And here's the key. And they follow me. They say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? I will follow your lead. You see, coming to Christ isn't about getting salvation and an opportunity to go to heaven. It's a lifestyle on the journey of life following Jesus Christ, who is our leader. He's our shepherd. We're sheeps. Now, two top ways that God speaks to us. Here's the first one. Number one. God speaks primarily through the written word, the Bible. This is how we do life. This is exactly how we do it. This is how we do life right, right here. That's why we study the word. That's why we teach all the word. That's why you have devotions in the morning. That's why you ask God as you open the scripture, speak to me from the scripture, because it's life. Now, look at this verse. Psalm 32, 8. Watch how personal this is. God says this, I will instruct you. I will teach you. Now, I love this. In the way you should go. In the path that I want you to be on. My will, my path, my way. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do you know that he's doing that for every Christian? Don't be fearful. You have God in your life. He will instruct us. He will teach us. He'll show us what to do. All those decisions, all those crazy questions we have in our mind. How's this going to work? What are we going to do here? How's this going to do? Relax. He's got it. Now, often he will speak things from the Bible. That's going to be things that are general principles. But sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak to us a specific need we have. Do I still homeschool my kids? Do I put them back in the school? Well, you can't turn to, you know, let's try Job 27 and see if you can find that. No, you won't find that, but you'll find principles. And I'll talk more about that next week. Now, here's this, the real key for that, the Bible. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet. And look what it says. It's a light to my path. You want to try to walk down a path in the dark? Good luck. You better have a lot of good insurance. No, this Bible is a light. It shows me which path to take. It tells me what God's will is, what he's commanding. He loves us. He's teaching us. He's showing us the path. Now, number two, Bible's number one, never changes. Number two, God speaks through the Holy Spirit, inter-promptings. Remember, he lives inside of us. He is a spirit we have a spirit, and he speaks to us. Now, the guide, the Holy Spirit, can't guide us if we're not listening. And he will speak to us because he lives in us 24-7.
You, you can't say when you get up this weekend or start the week next week, well, God, I hope the Holy Spirit's somewhere around here. Uh, hello, he lives in you. 27. He's absolutely in your life. Now, he will not control you. He will lead you, but you have to be open to his leading. He won't control you. Now, he might correct you as you're starting. He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what I said. Get back here. Let's start again. Now, there, there you go. There you go. That's good. That's good. Now, the voice of the Holy Spirit, hearing him speak to us, has to be learned. Has to be learned. And it's learned by quiet times with God. And as you move, all of us, how do you think, and I'm still learning. You know I've been a Christian. You know how long I've been a Christian, over 70 years. But I'm still, sometimes I don't hear the Holy Spirit right. But how in the world can I wake up at 4.30 in the morning? I'm sleeping, I don't have any thought. And right into my mind, right into my spirit comes Billy Graham, peace with God. I get up and go, okay, I got goosebumps right now. I'm not a special guy, I'm just a normal guy. But I have God living in me. Don't doubt it. You have the Word of God, and you have the Spirit of God to lead us. And let me just say one thing. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to say no to Satan's temptations. What are Satan's temptations? My will. My will. Satan will go, go you, your will is way better than God. No, 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 no. Holy Spirit says, I'm empowering you to say no. I'm not going that way. I'm going to obey God. See, it's a lifestyle. We all learn. I'd like to say to you, I'm perfect. Ha, ha, ha. Talk to my wife. You could even probably talk to my dog. I am far from perfect. But I do have a sensitivity for the Holy Spirit like any Christian can. Any. There's nothing special about me at all. Now, look at verse 30. Well, the, the angel, the, the Holy Spirit says, get near there. Get near that, that caravan. What's it say? Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what he's reading, what you were reading, Philip asked? So what did Philip do? He listened to the Holy Spirit's leading. Then Philip obeyed God. And look at the result. Philip now understands why God sent him to this deserted place. And next week, you will see the results of this interaction and how God's amazing love for the lost, all of a sudden at the end of everything, you can read ahead, it's fine. It's so powerful. The word of God had gone to Judea, Samaria, and now it's going to the other parts of the world when the Ethiopian eunuch gets back to his home. I want to say this. As I finish this teaching... There are many of you that are listening, and you're watching. Thank you so much. And you're watching from many cities and many countries. And let me just stop and say this. For those of you that are part of our campuses and you have a relationship with God, let me just encourage you to, to forward the teaching or to say to your friends or to text them tomorrow and say, boy, you need to listen to this teaching because it's telling us how we're going to make decisions when we get through this virus. 
people just need to hear that. Unbelievers, believers, it doesn't matter. Just encourage them. Forward it to them. Say yes. Call them up. Do whatever. Because God's word is absolutely true. Now, those of you that are watching, many of you, and I'm saying this in a kind way, you're just like the Ethiopian eunuch. You're searching for purpose and meaning in your life. And I can say this from my heart and my experience. God has a solution for your emptiness, your guilt, your fears, scared to death because of death. The only solution to life's problems is to have a personal relationship with God. You see, when you were created, as I was, every person, we were created to love God, have a relationship with God, worship God, and obey God, and enjoy God. Now, many people think, well, I know God. I know there's a God. Wonderful. That's not a relationship. If I said to you some, some guy's name, Brady and football, any kind of a name, well, you might know about that person, but you don't know them. It has to be a personal relationship. And the way you have a personal relationship is through Jesus Christ, his son. He says, I am the way, I'm the truth, and the life. And no one goes to God. Of course you know there's a God, except through me. Now, remember life's wisest question? If you're not a Christian or you were a Christian and you've kind of got away from the Lord, you don't have that personal relationship, here's the question. God, what do you want me to do? I'm going to give you the answer. Here's the answer. God wants to forgive your sins and give you a brand new start in life and give you the guarantee of heaven for all eternity. Can I tell you what to do to solve your emptiness problems, trying to figure out what life's all about? Yes, I can, because it comes right from God's word. Take a look at this. Here's all you have to do. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Everyone that calls on the name of the Lord, everyone will be saved. Saved from what? Your sins. The thing that keeps us from a relationship with God and from heaven is our sins. But Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He died on the cross for my sins. But see, you have to choose. It doesn't come automatically. It doesn't come by listening to me. It doesn't come from a church. It comes from God. See, you were given the gift of choosing, obeying God or doing your own thing. Now, Satan will always tell you to do your own thing. He might even be saying to you tonight, well, what that guy's saying there, that, that's really good. I want that. But Satan is saying to you, oh, another time, another time. Don't need. No, that's wrong. That's a lie. Today is a day of salvation. That's exactly what God says. He knows you need clarity, purpose, meaning, joy, forgiveness in your life. Now, if you want your sins forgiven, 
if you want to establish that relationship with God in a personal way, or you want to come back to the Lord, you've kind of walked away. Very simply, here's what I want you to do. Wherever you're at, just quietly bow your head and repeat this prayer after me. And all of the other campuses, all the people that are watching that are believers, would you just pray right now? Do you know last weekend, again, has nothing to do with me. 52 people accepted Jesus Christ last weekend. Do you know in like the last seven to eight weeks, we're over 400 people. That has nothing to do with me. That's the love of God. And you that are there tonight, it's your time. It's your time to choose God. Remember, that's the best decision you can ever make in your life. Bow your heads. Pray this prayer quietly under your breath with me. Jesus, I am searching. I am a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins. Right now, I turn from my sins. And I choose to follow you as my Savior and my Lord. Come in and change my life. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me of all my sins. Today, I receive your gift of salvation. And I look forward to a life of purpose, security, meaning, forgiveness, freedom, and hope. All because of Jesus. God, thank you for saving me.